Have you done one where you like recorded, took it out, uploaded it? It worked. What are you trying to say? <laughs> have you tested it? <laughs> I have. Remember, I made like an intro. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> it's fine. This is gonna be way more fun. Yeah, I feel much more That'd chilled be out. Good. Me too. <laughs> Sips wine. <laughs> So my name is Saskia Henneke. I'm here with my great friend, Lexi Green. Lexi Green is going to be a doctor very soon, in the near future. <laughs> Knock on wood. Dr. Green. And and so we're going to talk a bit about her career here at Notre Dame. She's done a lot of cool things and the med school process, which she got an interview to <laughs> University of Miami today. So we're celebrating by talking about her whole life and career. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so welcome. Do you want to tell me about when you first remember us meeting or when you like your first memory of me or what what that was? Yes, absolutely. So I have to be honest and say that the first time I remember you, the, most of the things that I remember have to do with your looks. Um, I'm shallow. <laughs> so I remember how long your hair was. Uh-huh. And Touched my butt. It did. It was so long. It was so long. I remember that vividly. And, uh-huh. and the hat. That's and what everyone hat. tells me. The hat. <laughs> the hat is iconic, Saskia. Uh-huh. And then I remember you being Wait, very... I need to describe it really quickly. Okay. I had this wide-brimmed, like, gray felt hat when yes. we met and when I met a bunch of our friends on this, like, visiting weekend at Notre Dame in the spring of our senior years of high school. And a lot of people remember me by that hat <laughs> the hat and the hair the that's hat it and hair. you were also brilliant and intimidatingly Aww. artsy love you friend so that too <laughs> yeah okay yeah that's a that's a good one and okay so what's your name your hometown your majors plural, plural. <laughs> that's it just those two things great so i'm from i tell people here at notre dame that i'm from indianapolis but if anyone is from Indianapolis, I'm not actually from Indianapolis, <laughs> from a Full town disclosure. 20 minutes You're outside here. of Indianapolis, right, <laughs> um, called Brownsburg, Indiana. Uh-huh. And I am an anthropology major with a pre-health supplementary major, and I'm a poverty studies minor. Yeah. Yeah. When did you first know you wanted to be a doctor? So I think before I knew I wanted to be a doctor, I knew I wanted to work in healthcare. I grew up in a multi-generational household where both of my parents' parents, so both sets of my grandparents, have lived with us throughout my lifetime um, for a lot of their lives and then also in the last stages of their lives. Green Retirement Home. Is that what you you have a name for, right? We call it Shady Rest Retirement Center. Shady Rest. (laughs) It's a wonderful place to spend your life. (laughs) Anyone needs a place. Shady Rest Retirement Home. Open doors. Um, Not actually. The green household. (laughs) Green household. So I had a lot of experience growing up with the healthcare system. And I saw how much healthcare professionals impacted my grandparents and their well-being. And how really compassionate doctors and nurses made a huge positive impact on them. And how less compassionate or disengaged health professionals um, really negatively impacted their lives when they were most vulnerable. vulnerable. And so I grew up knowing I wanted to do that. And I, the first time I shadowed a doctor, I sort of fell in love with the connection that they get to make with patients and the way that they get to bridge this gap between medical knowledge and a patient's lived experience in life and what, what they're dealing with in that moment. And These so 
would you call them social determinants of health? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Buzzword. Yeah. So I really, it was when I got to college that I started thinking about social determinants. Wait, wait, I'm not ready to go there yet. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I didn't mean to shut you down like that. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) It was just, yeah, I just wanted to buzzword that, but I'm not done talking about like high school. So you would go to the, like your elderly friends and families, doctor's appointments with them. And explain stuff to them. And so I had the pleasure of reviewing Lexi's med school applications this (laughs) summer. We lived together in D.C. Um, It was a great time. And Lexi was was. writing uh, personal statements and various application essays. And I love editing essays. So I got to read all of the intimate details of her life. So (laughs) intimate. So So intimate. So you would go to these doctor's appointments and help explain, explain to your... I keep calling them elderly friends and family. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Mostly my grandparents. Yeah. So um, definitely at the end of high school and then into my college career, I, whenever I went home, would take my grandparents to their appointments because they did not drive. (laughs) We were safe on the roads. Um, So I would take them and then it was difficult for them to sort of absorb all the information that the doctor or nurse was giving them. So I was sort of there as their sidekick slash translator um, slash note taker. (laughs) So um, they would very much interact with the doctor, but I would be there on the side making sure to ask all the next question is what my mom and all my mom and I always say is, did you ask the next question? So when they tell you that something, you know, is wrong with you, do you ask, okay, what's next? So, we would go to ask the next question the next of question. the doctor and yeah. to make sure we took all the notes of the uh, prescription changes and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So now you're going to be the type of doctor that doesn't need to be asked the next question. Is that right. the idea? Yeah. <laughs> the plan is, the plan is I tell them all the information all of the things. or that I'm just patient when they ask the next question yeah. or yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So we get to Notre Dame, zoom, zoom, flash forward, Lexi and I meet. A beautiful friendship begins. <laughs> long hair. That's long hair. Felt hat. Um, those are not the important parts, though, of why we're all here. <laughs> Do I talk about anthro? Doing anthro? What made you choose that? Yeah. So I chose anthro before I got to Notre Dame, actually. Huh. Well, I came in really a pre-health major or yeah. a pre-professional studies yeah, major. So you already kind of hit the ground running with with the pre-med. And, but yeah. I, as soon as I got to Notre Dame, I declared anthropology because I sat in on this one anthropology class um, and before I came to Notre Dame and they were discussing the ways that culture and social relations were impacting the spread of disease and who was being affected by that disease. And I thought that that was such a fascinating way to think about health and who is impacted by an illness in these terms of, like you said earlier, social determinants of health or... Buzzword. Right, buzzword. (laughs) Or the way that we interact with people and how certain people occupy specific positions in our society, Mm -hmm. how that impacts their health before they even come into a medical clinic. And so that lens that anthropology provides is what I really was fascinated by coming in. That's so cool. So you were locked in. Locked in. Locked in early. Locked into anthro. And then your first summer. And then my first summer. So I ended up being a research assistant in Belize the summer after my freshman year. I got into this amazing infectious and vector-borne disease 
research lab. And it was an excuse to just surf all the time? Um, I cannot <laughs> surf. <laughs> we spent way more time on the mainland than we did near the beach. But um, Belize is a beautiful country. It was it was amazing. And I got to work on two research projects as you know, a freshman coming out of my freshman year at Notre Dame. I had no skills. So it was such an incredible <laughs> do opportunity. We ever, do no. we still have Right. Any? Do we have any skills? <laughs> no. We have no skills. But thankfully, my research advisors took me in skillless and said, we'll teach you some skills. Skillless. Yeah. So so I got to go to Belize and, and assist on these two research projects. One was cataloging resources for people living with HIV and AIDS in Belize. And then the other was evaluating a bed net campaign that the Belize Ministry of Health had undertaken about three years before we came in. And so um, our team came in and partnered with the Ministry of Health and um, looked at bed net usage in a few villages and to see if people were still using them, how they were working, things like that. So you went around with surveys? Yes. Door to door? Yes. You're knocking? Right. Covered in deet. We are trudging through villages. Yes. Door to door. Mm-hmm. What's a, is there a specific interaction that you recall from that? If anything comes to mind mm-hmm. that you might want to share. Yeah, actually, I think, I think one interaction was really, um, well, I mean, I don't know. I think overall I was struck by the way that people were, were so generous with our time and willing to let white strangers come into their house and ask them questions yeah that's a an uncomfy place to be right exactly as i mean a I, stranger right well yeah. as a white stranger but i can't imagine being a person living their life too. having some person who looks really different from them does not speak their native language yeah. come in and say we want to ask you very intimate questions yeah. about how you protect and yourself here, put this over your bed yeah and here make sure you tuck it into <laughs> tuck your mattress in. that's that's what gets actually you. you're washing tuck. it wrong oh. right so it was that power dynamic was really interesting to navigate. And then I almost got malaria my first summer from not understanding the tuck. What That's the where tuck that comes from? The tuck is so vital. The tuck is so important. You yeah. would think they wouldn't be able to. I thought I was doing everything where like I would make the overlap so of the two sides of the net so massive, like oh, a whole side of the bed. That's so good and, of you. And it just no, they, the they know how to get in there. Under. Yeah. I one time I total sidebar. <laughs> I was like. I woke up in the night and they were like swarming inside of my net and I went bananas and it was a goddamn mosquito genocide inside of my bed net. And I was in Rwanda, so that's not okay for me to say. Oh, it was, it was real bad. Oh, that's really bad. And then I was covered in mosquito bites and I was complaining about it to someone and they were like, did you tuck? Did you tuck the net? Like, oh yeah. Oh no. Nobody told me. What do you mean, tuck? Nobody told me to do that. Yeah. So that that's really important. That's why we asked people on our surveys, (laughs) "Do you tuck it?" Because that's crucial. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. But uh, you were maybe going to tell a story of like a specific interaction. Oh right, right. So I think okay, we went to this house, and we had a Ministry of Health official with us, and. One of the children in the house was sick and the parents were really concerned. And the Belize Ministry of Health official went out of his way to test this person to see if they had malaria and they were going to bring it back to their lab. And I was so struck by the way that the parents were so relieved by that really small 
blood sample that was taken. They didn't give their child any medicine and there was no guarantee that this was going to produce results. But the way that a small glimmer of scientific intervention... Like somebody's doing something. Right, really. These parents were, I mean, visibly sort of relieved by this action. And that really, that really struck me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then, because you love mosquitoes so much... Mosquitoes. From the first experience... I love them. You decided to bunk with them the next summer. (laughs) I did. I moved in. Who can I bunk with? I want to live in a room where they breed mosquitoes, (laughs) was the goal. And so I went to Thailand. And I went to Thailand um, and partnered with a university in Bangkok to do a research project on the knowledge, attitudes, and practices surrounding malaria interventions. Yeah. Yeah. And so the actual field site that's sort of, you know, west of Bangkok towards the Thailand-Burma border, the place where I was staying was a an insectary. <laughs> so it was a small concrete room in a rural part of Thailand that was for breeding mosquitoes for Yum. experiments. Yeah. It's very cozy in there with the mosquitoes. <laughs> nice and friendly. Do you have a particular story from that? And it doesn't have to be research related or like work related. It could just be anything that was really striking about living in Thailand or Oh, living in Thailand. Yeah. I think the thing I think my funniest this isn't really a specific experience, but I think my funniest fun fact from the summer was that I learned how to say no, not spicy before <laughs> before I learned how to say hello <laughs> so I learned how to say my pet which my means pet. no spice before well, it's so easy to say. it my is pet. right my pet right my exactly pet. with some you know some tonal nuance <laughs> that I'm absolutely butchering um before I learned how to say sawadika which is hello because <laughs> um, I could not survive on, is, on spicy food. you gotta be able to survive before you can try and be friendly try to be friendly <laughs> yeah oh, so that's my fun fact from Thailand otherwise I mean wow it was the most challenging and beautiful two months of my life I think um, I get really nostalgic about it yeah. looking back and then I read my journal and realize how difficult it was, <laughs> you know, I'm glad you're, you have positive, like, right. positive association with it and not just like, I was miserable. I guess I got something out of it, but I was miserable. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful country and I was so struck by the way that people were again like so hospitable yeah and kind to me for no the reason mosquitoes. not necessarily mosquitoes <laughs> the people mostly the mosquitoes um, were like, yes you can sleep in yeah my come on bedroom. in coming in no it was more like um these thai graduate students in this lab were like oh yeah you can come hang out with us even though we're annoyed that we have to speak english for you to understand <laughs> um which was really generous of them so it was challenging oh my mm-hmm. it was but good yeah and then DC. And then DC. Oh, wow. Yeah. The I'm summer. skipping a lot on the in-betweens also. If there's something you're like, wait a second, junior year, I had this really impactful experience. Yeah. You've done a lot of like shadowing doctors and like, yeah, feel free to oh gosh, the resume. jump in with some of those things. Right? The resume, <laughs> but like, the in-betweens. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, every year. Okay. So research in Germany for one of our breaks. 
Yes. I'm just trying to you say this <laughs> when Saskia has read you. so many of my essays she knows my I'm whole life like at this point jumping in there. you could do this podcast by yourself right. and be me and you Nobody would know, I'm sure it, you could be they me and you tell the difference between our voices they probably can <laughs> anyway so yeah sure Germany was actually really Germany was really impactful it was the first time that I spent a lot of time with a health professional so I went to Germany in high school, took German in high school, um, and then I came to school and I wanted to learn more about how German doctors interact with patients and whether or not that's similar to the experiences I'd had watching American doctors interact with patients and how that might be different. Mm -hmm. So I applied for this grant. Very anthro of you. Very anthro of me. Yeah, with zero zero anthro skills. I got (laughs) on a plane to Germany (laughs) to observe a doctor. Um, But now you can retroactively Yeah, but now retroactively I can look at my notes and be a little more (laughs) precise in my understanding of it maybe. Um, But so I got to spend an entire week just hanging out with this amazing family medicine doctor in Germany in the little German village where I had previously lived during high school with my German host family, who was so amazing and let me stay. It's so rare to be able to like revisit that part of your life in a way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And so I think that that shadowing experience, because it was so immersive and I was so engaged because I'm not that great at German. And so I was having to really pay attention to understand yeah. what was happening. You can't zone um, out. <laughs> right, exactly. And this this family physician, I mean, she had so many ways of connecting with people and had this amazing way of meeting people where they were um, when it came to their health concerns or even just the sort of social problems that they were grappling with. And that was it was that in a way different from what you'd experienced here? Not really. So I think coming back when I wrote my reflection essay, um, I talked a lot about how compassion and empathy and connecting with people um, happens across cultures and across languages and the way the the small touches or the comforting gestures that she used to connect to patients was very similar to some of the most compassionate doctors that I've seen connect with patients. Yeah. Um, and this is totally where podcasting like fails us because like this is so much a part of your disposition and like aroma. Like aroma. You, yeah, I smell aura? good. Or maybe aura is what I meant to say. Aura that you'll like. Yeah, I, I definitely mix up those words. Aura that you kind of like. Yeah, you do those like comforting little like. I'm a big, big platonic yeah. touch. <laughs> exactly. And the platonic touch. Yeah. Real yeah. smiley, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that, that that warmth the doctors can create for their patients <laughs> is really is really helpful when people are feeling vulnerable and yeah, struggling with illness. So that yeah. was a great experience. Oh, Germany. Oh. What a place. Deutschland. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And then I went to DC. Yes. And I got to live with you. Uh-huh. which was great that was so great yeah and so i worked get ready this is a mouthful for the office of global affairs in the u.s department of health and human services the end let's get that one more time yeah because nobody's the... paying attention so. <laughs> okay so i worked in the office of global affairs in the u.s department of health and human services i had to breathe breathe in the middle <laughs> i ran out of breath i had to breathe um get the second half out yeah, which was, yeah. oh my gosh, this past summer was amazing. I learned so much about, well, so the office itself does health diplomacy. 
So whenever the U.S. government interacts with another government and it has to do with health and it has to do with the governments interacting, it came through our office, Mm. which was, um, yeah, a lot of information, a lot of information. I specifically was on the Asia Pacific team. Yeah. So because I'd been to Thailand. Right, right, exactly. um, I was very unprepared, but alas, (laughs) (laughs) was on the Asia Pacific team. and just learned so much about how the U.S. government interacts with other governments and how much power the U.S. has to impact people's health around the world. It's really amazing. And I think I remember you saying at one point that there's sort of these two sides of it. One is using health for diplomacy and the other is using diplomacy to improve health. Did I get that right? Yeah. Oh, you nailed it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when we talk about global health diplomacy, it works in sort of these parallel ways of exactly how you described. The U.S. government can use diplomacy as a way of improving either U.S. citizen health or health around the world. So using pre-existing really healthy relationships with other countries I don't know if countries describe the relationships as healthy. <laughs> that was a <laughs> interpersonal word, but <laughs> they're good relationships with other countries, um, productive relationships, perhaps, to sure. try to promote health either in the U.S. or in that country. And then also, the U.S. can use health as a sort of topic of diplomacy with countries that they might not have a stronger relationship with because health a lot of times can be this sort of middle ground where, you know, even if we disagree on all of these other things, right. we can sit here and agree that we should try to it's prevent. Like, hey, we have the technology to eradicate X, Y, Z, like help right. or help you out with it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we can all work together to prevent a pandemic influenza mm. outbreak, like we should Ideal. definitely do that. So, Ideal. um, yeah, so that was really interesting to learn about those those uh-huh. two ways that diplomacy flows. And sure. you had you got to sit in on a hearing one time. I did. That was kind of wild. Yeah, so I sat on on this hearing about tuberculosis funding, very generally, and um, it had these three amazing global health professionals who are subject matter as experts about tuberculosis and a bunch of people in Congress asking them questions and asking them to justify funding for tuberculosis interventions, <laughs> which was interesting to me. What was, what was the response? Um, so my internal response, right, first right. of all, there's, yeah, there's... was um, because it's the right thing to do, because mm-hmm. we have the funding and capability to prevent people from dying from tuberculosis. So, And we... Ass- random citizens would love right. to see that used for a so, greater good. Yeah. But that's a, not necessarily how the world works. Right. For me, it was sort of a place of, I don't know, moral clarity, you know, yeah. it seemed pretty clear what we should do. Yeah. So that hurt to not, to see the senators asking, senators or just general Congress people? Both? Um, Pretend I didn't ask Okay. <laughs> <that. laughs> I have no idea. So, <laughs> um, reverse, reverse. So... That was tough for you to hear the Congress people asking why we should spend money. Wasn't that right. it? I think I remember saying, why should I yeah. put my, how am I going to answer to my constituents that I put money into right. U.S. taxpayer money specifically, yes. not just money, specifically our money. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, the subject matter experts, though, I was so amazed inside. I was yelling, saying, mm-hmm. hey, what do you mean? <laughs> uh-huh. American lives don't matter more than these other people's lives. But... 
the the tuberculosis experts who were who were the witnesses at the panel um witnesses testifying i don't know anything about government lingo experts Experts. Yeah, yeah, they were experts. They were experts. Um, so they had this amazing, very specific economic response. And they quoted this data that's been produ- produced that says every dollar that the U.S. government puts into funding tuberculosis, um, not funding tuberculosis, funding, <laughs> <laughs> funding tuberculosis elimination and treatment, um, the U.S. government gets a return of $47, I think it was. That's an insane I should Google that. But it's something Right, so they gave this amazing... It's a conversational podcast. Oh, what do you expect? Thank I goodness. <laughs> I hope you're entertained. This is, not your, <laughs> this is not your med school interview. Oh, Don't thank worry. goodness. I'm glad. No uh-huh. fact-checking here. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so that was amazing, um, hearing that response yeah. from them, because they knew exactly what they wanted that, to hear, right? Right, that is what they need to hear. You don't want to hear a philosophical it's a great, argument. It's great for anyone to hear. I mean... Yeah, yeah. right? Like, if I'm an, you, I'm an eco- That's something... I'm in this awesome health e- economics class, and I could yeah. totally imagine us talking about that in class. In fact, I'm sure we will eventually. Right now, it's all, like, much more localized, like, how health and education whatever i'm not gonna this is not my, this is not about me <laughs> my friend saskia uh-huh. my friend from college <laughs> yeah um but yeah that's fascinating it really is yeah so it's interesting how people frame these different arguments for helping people right yeah. i thought that that was that was really interesting yeah. yeah and how the u.s government goes about its decision making for what it's going to spend its money on that and was... how much this is i'm echoing something you said mm-hmm. about how much somebody that we elect impacts the world oh my at gosh. this level it's horrifying. This almost granular but actually massive level but granular in the way that it's like gonna impact whether somebody gets a vaccine in a remote part of the world yeah yeah it's really it was really horrifying and enlightening to see how an administration change impacts how the department of health and Ser- health and human services operates and how that administration change impacts how the U.S. government interacts with other countries and other governments and how that impacts people's health on a daily basis. Everywhere. Everywhere. Okay, I just realized we haven't talked about your two careers that you want to have. Oh, my two careers. This is so what we're talking (laughs) about is like the other career Lexi Green wants to have, like after being an amazing and accomplished physician is like, she's (laughs) like, and then I'm going to go well part-time part-time be a doctor still because she because you're like you're like i can't really give that up fully but then also be a politician yeah poli- i don't yeah. know politicians but, but like policy person right yeah so i think spending so much time in dc i spent two spring breaks on this seminar called oh i forget about that yeah, yeah. oh my gosh it was so formative that. for me wow oh. so i spent my first two spring breaks in washington dc learning about healthcare policy and huh. trying to figure out how policy impacts people who are marginalized in the u.s um Mm. you know taking that top-down visual of how policy impacts people and so since then i've been really fascinated by the idea of using policy as a way of impacting people's lives and improving them and so like you described these two careers yeah Uh definitely or maybe yeah um complementary hopefully careers of being a physician who interacts with people and has connections with them and really meets them where they're at and understands um, their lives and then taking that expertise of understanding what patients need 
and taking that to a policy to level to the top to the top coming for you mr press <laughs> listen uh. up um yeah and sort of like having that inform the way that i advocate for policies that could make it easier for people to live healthy lives heck yeah <laughs> can't wait to have you there running hhs running hhs while also wow. being doc on the side yeah that sounds reasonable (laughs) sure i mean if anybody could do it oh my gosh thanks um okay last last topic and we're gonna like crunch this into like a two minute segment okay Um, great i'm here for it applying to med school it's horrible (laughs) don't do it not recommend it would not recommend okay any of it noted i Um, will not i was thinking about it <laughs> right, just throwing it. in an application, you know, you know, putting your name out Who there, knows? throwing it in the hat. You never know. It's not how Keep it works. My options open. So much preparation. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, this past year, I feel bad for everyone close to me because no. I have just, I went from being Lexi Green to being Lexi Green medical school applicant. It's just like <laughs> it's major part of me. qualifier. It's part of me now. So yeah, I was abroad when you were studying for the MCAT, but I hear good for you. you disappeared. <laughs> good for you. There was no Lexi Green at that point. I went away for um, for everyone else. You know, I just spent a lot of time in the library. A lot it's of very that. Good. The uh, the indented track between your dorm room the library and the dining hall oh my gosh the little triangle i know i call that my triangle of life (laughs) kavanaugh hall (laughs) hesburgh library and north dining hall Hall. and you know i went to class but that was just little variations most of the time there was little paths (laughs) the shortest paths Uh um the most efficient to go between those three places is what happened that's brutal but then she killed it on the mcat and now it's over (laughs) she i helped her with her personal statement i keep i just like have to make it about me always you know this is my friend saskia from college (laughs) no but really i had these amazing humans like saskia reading so much of my writing this summer because i'm really bad and i make a ton of grammar mistakes and i love run-on sentences and so my (laughs) friends chopped up my run-on sentences and they tell me when i'm not making sense no we just and i love it we're second pair of eyes it's nice it was so nice Um, so yeah but all of that happened and it did happen and then secondaries happened oh that was was like a week off (laughs) oh was worse. So okay so this is all like things i learned about the process there's the personal statement Mm -hmm. what's the question for that it's um it's why do you want to attend medical school yeah and mm-hmm. so that goes out to every school and then the schools that like that which is generally most of them yeah 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 they'll ask you for secondaries which is some more specific questions and most of them will ask you why you like them specifically mm-hmm. otherwise there's some what's are there any unusual questions um there were some unusual questions like uh what's an unusual question i don't know name a time that you were in direct service to someone else, I think was a, oh. an unusual question that I got. Yeah. You would think that would be normal. Yeah. Most of them asked, like, what was the greatest challenge that yeah. you faced? Ugh. Or, I don't know, what was your best clinical experience? Huh. So the timeline is just hilarious because I started studying for the MCAT spring semester of my junior year. Took the MCAT in May, applied in June, secondaries in July, and now, and then from now... Basically, August, September until March is interview season. It just and doesn't end. I'm incessantly checking my email. <laughs> so it's just hilarious how long it is, I think. Yeah. It's kind of... That's 
brutal. It's interesting. What's you know? the worst part? Is this the worst part? This waiting? Oh, no, no, no. No. Okay. No, <laughs> no this is the best right. part. This is right. like the reaping the rewards yeah. part, you know? Good. Kind of, which feels good. And the interviews, you like interviews, right? I love yeah. interviews. You had IU right. a I week love, ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love connecting with people. Yeah. You know, I really think it's Ugh. it's funny because as soon as I get an interview, I'm relieved because I think, yeah. oh, okay, I can, I can, I can go talk that. to someone and... I get excited because I get to go meet people and uh-huh. see what the people at the school are like and yeah. see if I'm maybe could be a good fit there. Yeah. So those are happy times. Um, happy everything else was. <laughs> I guess no. it was almost a dumb question if the MCAT's probably just straight up obviously yeah. the worst part. MCAT was pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It was so, pretty. Yeah. It was pretty bad. I'm not wondering gonna, what the I'm worst part of applying to med school is. is. It's the MCAT. Yeah. A duh. <laughs> a duh. <laughs> it's a test. On a computer for seven hours. Seven hours. Uh, yeah. It's bad. I learned a lot of things. Yeah. Like, I think May 19th, the day I took the MCAT, was the smartest I will ever be. <laughs> I think the that was my peak knowledge intelligence. that will ever just, like, yeah. be crammed into. I don't know. I have a lot of med school exams coming up. Instant memory. But those will probably be it's... another peak. But and then you're going to be a badass physician. Oh, my goodness. And a policy person. What a pep talk. Can you come pep talk me when I'm not I sure what I'm going to do and be like, hey, will. you're going to be a doctor and a policy And advocate. then I'll like read you your personal statement. Perfect. Because <laughs> I still Great. have all of them. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Remind you why you're here. Oh, so helpful. Thank you. Oh, and do you want to do like a little like, I'm Alexi Green, future physician something, whatever. No. No, okay, never mind. I won't make people do that. That's because so some goofy. People don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> so out. good. Sketch I mean, I could be like, Lexi Green, pre med extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah, like something just totally stupid. Yeah. A, f- a friend to mosquitoes. <laughs> um, okay. My name is Lexi Green, and Saskia and I are friends from college. Thank you for listening to the first episode of My Friend from College. If you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe because it'll help other people find my podcast. Thanks so much.